Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Cats and kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Joined as always by my right hand man, Hal Bent, of full press coverage. Well, we are already at the midway point of the 2022 NFL season, and the theme of the season so far, parity, has only become stronger. With an upset of the Bills and a near upset of the Chiefs last week, plus 72 games decided by seven points or less thus far, an all time NFL record through week nine, the second half of this season promises to be even more unpredictable than many of us thought even a week ago, doesn't it, Hal? It certainly does. This is just a crazy, crazy season. I feel like I say it, it gets better and better every year. Uh, New teams up at the top. You know, the excitement level throughout the league. Just look at the Jets. You want to see a great story of a great turnaround. It's fantastic in the NFL this year. And we're coming down the home stretch now. Now the fun really gets started. Oh, absolutely. And uh, before we have some fun with our midseason awards, let's uh, talk about our main reactions to week nine. What was the biggest thing you learned from this past week, Hal? Uh, David, I I learned that we saw the future of the NFL on Sunday. Tua Tagiavola and Justin Fields. If you want to see the future of the NFL, those two quarterbacks put on a heck of a performance. Tua with the arm, the scrambling ability. Justin Fields, finally, the Bears tapping into his potential these last few weeks. You saw him throwing three touchdowns record 178 yeah it's yeah. rushing for a quarterback yeah i don't want to go all star wars geek on you but as the mandalorian would say this is the way oh it most certainly is that was an amazing game indeed a heartbreaker the way it added for the bears but the way just fields has been playing bears fans have got to be optimistic about the future of that franchise that's all there is to it and the biggest thing i learned we talk about charging a lot on this program We talk about falconing a lot on this program, and we saw a lot of it last week, but we may have to add a new word to that mix. Raidering. (laughs) Oh, my God. The Raiders, for the third time this season, blew a 17-0 lead. Uh, One was against the Chiefs, which is kind of understandable because no lead is saved against Patrick Mahomes, but against the Cardinals and the Jaguars, two teams that have been absolutely atrocious for most of this season. This Josh McDaniels experiment in Vegas is turning out to be a disaster. The Raiders are going to have to take a long, long look in the mirror and decide whether they want to part ways with Josh McDaniels after one year because he shows he has learned very little, if anything, since his uh, epic uh, face palm in Denver. Or if you end up with a top five pick, say goodbye to Derek Carr and draft a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young. Lots of soul searching to do in Vegas. And uh, who was your GOAT of the week, Cal? Uh, The GOAT, boy, I tell you, if you had him on any of your fantasy football teams, this one was a no-brainer. Cincinnati running back Joe Mixon. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. (laughs) 22 rushes, 153 yards, four touchdowns, four receptions, 58 yards, and another TD. 
carrying teams on his back in fantasy football. And for Cincinnati, get Joe Mixon involved. We've been saying it all season long. Everything flows better on that offense with Joe Mixon as leading that charge. So that's my go to the week. My go to the week has got to be the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. Because once again, Tom Brady showed us exactly why he's the GOAT. Going 60 yards in 40 seconds for a go-ahead game-winning touchdown. That was vintage Tom Brady. You can talk about Sean McVay's uh, epic wonder there all you want, but Tom Brady deserves credit for making him pay for it with another epic game-winning drive. The GOAT is my GOAT of the week. And for dunce of the week... I'm going to go with a little-known figure. Like I said, we saw a lot of chargering and falconing in a single game last week because the Chargers were playing the Falcons, but falconing outdid the chargering because of Taquan Graham, Falcons defensive lineman, who recovered an Austin Eckler fumble in the waiting seconds, returned it all the way to the 40 of the Chargers, potentially would have set up the Falcons for an opportunity to gain like a 20 more yards to kick a game when he field goal, but he fumbled it right back to the Chargers. Take one, Graham. You're the reason why falconing out to Chargers. That is why you are my dunce of the week. Oh, it, it, you know, it, it's hard to argue with that one, David. Um, but, you know, while we're, you know, talking about someone who's the greatest of all time in the previous segment where you brought up Tom Brady for the dunce. I kind of got to go to somebody who's got a little bit of cachet towards may end up as the greatest of all time or second greatest or wherever you place him, but Aaron Rodgers, red zone interceptions against what mighty defense was that? I saw last <laughs> week, the Detroit lions. Ah, you know, I, Aaron Rodgers, I'll I'll let you know I'll let you share a little bit of this dunce of the week blame. Uh, head coach Matt Lafleur, offensive coordinator Adam Stenovich, GM Brian Gutenkarst. I mean, I don't know what's going on there in Green Bay. That team you put together, that offense. There's too much talent. I keep keep holding on, waiting for this to click and see that defense. You know that talent on defense and offensive hall of famer i just don't get it green bay it's it's dunce city over there right now definitely and that packers defense isn't getting better anytime soon because they lost star pass rusher rashawn gary for the season because of a torn acl and now for the moment you've all been waiting for it's time to hand out our mid-season awards and we start with mvp a couple weeks ago, I would have given it to Josh Allen, but Josh Allen, um, forget about the injury he has right now. For the past two weeks, he has been sluggish, throwing too many careless interceptions. And last Sunday night, Patrick Mahomes, for most of the game, had a game he'd like to forget. The Tennessee Titans defense gave all he could handle. And yet, when it mattered most with a supporting cast, that's essentially Travis Kelsey and a bunch of other guys. He came through in the clutch using his legs, to convert a third and 20 um, running for a touchdown and a two point conversion to tie the game and leading the go ahead uh, drive in overtime. 
Patch Mahomes, he is doing this with a supporting cast that is nowhere near as strong as the ones he's had in recent years, mainly because of the departure of Tyree Kill. Yet he's playing better than ever. Patch Mahomes, you are my MVP at midseason. It's hard to argue with that. He was my MVP at the quarter poll, David. And, you know, just to be a little contrarian, because I really want to get that simpatico alert going, but I'm going to take a little bit of that middle word of valuable there. And I'm going to reach out to my guy Tua in Miami because Miami's record is six and three. And when Tua plays the whole game, they're six and oh. And when he doesn't, they're 0 and three. How do you get more valuable than that? He was looked at as the weak link of that offense uh, with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill coming in. And he just continues uh, week after week after his, you know, even after that horrible um, concussion that he suffered and, you know, coming back that fearless style, uh, multiple 400 yard uh, <laughs> offensive performances. It's just amazing to see. I was a Tua doubter. I'm eating crow here and my MVP Tua right now. Oh, I love that contrarian take. And Tua, as great as he's been playing this year, he wouldn't be where he's at right now with this guy playing even better than he did in his previous stop. Of course, I'm talking about the man who has 1,105 receiving yards through nine games, which is the most by any player in the Super Bowl era, Tyreek Hill. Everybody was saying, when he uh, left the Chiefs for the Dolphins via trade, that uh, his numbers would regress because of uh, Tua. His numbers are even better than ever before. He is that good. Tyreek is pretty much a quarterback-proof receiver, dare I say. He is that legendary of a game-changing talent that this league has seen this past decade. Tyreek Hill, you are my offensive player of the year at midseason. What about you, Hal? Now you can sound that simpatico alert, David. <laughs> I wanted to give it to Lamar Jackson. I wanted to give it to Jalen Hurts. I think they're both, without a doubt, worthy. But the Cheetah, again, like you said, you know, everybody expected those numbers to go down and, and not have the impact without, you know, I mean, it's the natural question. How does he do without Patrick Mahomes? And nobody expected even better than he had previously with him. So uh, halfway point offensive player of the year, slam dunk Tyreek Hill. And now on to our defensive player of the year. I wanted to go with my man, Von Miller, because he has almost single-handedly transformed that Bills front four. But you got to go with arguably the best defensive player in the NFL right now. No offense to the GOAT of defensive tackles, Aaron Donald, but Micah Parsons is the new defensive key in the NFL. He is not just a linebacker. He's not just a pass rusher. He's a defensive weapon you could deploy in countless, countless, countless ways. And he has an impact on the game that the offense needs to look where number 11 is every single snap. Micah Parsons, you are truly a generational talent, and you are my Defensive Player of the Year at the halfway point. 
Hard to argue with Micah Parsons here, but I am going to. You know, the NFL media, if you're a Bosa, if you're a Watt, and you've got the sack record in front of you and you're on pace, you get updates of that. You're reminded of it week after week, day after day, constantly throughout the game. But if your name's Matt Judon, and you're not just leading the league in sacks, you're leading by, what, three sacks over his closest competitor here halfway through on pace for over 22 sacks this year? Uh, I think we need a little attention to Mr. Red Sleeves for the New England Patriots here. So, Matt Judon, if your last name was Bosa or Watt, this would be a slam dunk choice. Underrated in his time in Baltimore, he does so much dirty work setting the edge in the running game, freeing up his other pass rushers as well, drawing attention, and now he's putting up the numbers to match it as well. Uh, the other side of the ball, you think Matt Judon's getting all the attention? He's got a Dietrich Wise with five and a half sacks. Josh Uche had three sacks last week in that game as well. Uh, so Matt Judon bringing that whole pass rush, improving that pass rush around him, getting the other guys their numbers as well. So defensive MV, uh, defensive player of the year. That's my choice. Oh, I like your outside the box thinking there. Matt Judon has easily turned out to be arguably the best free agent signing Bill Belichick has made in a long, 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 long time. And uh, now on to our rookies, starting with Offensive Rookie of the Year. I may be a tad bit biased towards my fantasy team, but this guy has come in and automatically become the fulcrum of his team's offense. Eddie was picked in the fourth round of the NFL draft. A lot of people, including a Doug Farrar of the USA Today Touchdown Wire, wondered how on earth did this guy fall this far? He just runs with authority. He's mean. He's nasty. He just uh, he just doesn't care how average or below average the rest of the players on that offense are. He just takes batters in his own hands and keeps his team in the game like he did against the Eagles last Thursday night. I'm talking about Texans running back Damian Pierce, my offensive rookie of the year at midseason. David, I cannot argue with that at all. And as much as I want to sound that simpatico alert, mm -hmm. I am going to instead step away and say, nope, nope, nope. I'm going to have a little bit of bias here towards my fantasy football team as well. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about my wide receiver, Chris Olav in New Orleans, who has stepped into the number one wide receiver role with a Authority in New Orleans offense that's struggling getting uh, Alvin Kamara kickstarted with one big game to his name uh, troubles at quarterback that Andy Dalton uh, see what happened Jameis Winston underperforming Michael Thomas can't be counted on as that number one receiver we know Traquan Smith good receiver not going to be the number one guy there and Olaf, what a great job. He has stepped right in. He can do it all. The draft report to a T carries over. Everyone knew he was going to be a great 
one of the great receivers out of this receiving class. I don't know if they really expected he'd step into that number one role right away, but he most definitely has. And so he's got to be my offensive rookie of the year, as much as I love Damian Pierce as well. If I had to pick any other guy for that honor, Olave would be that guy. He is just producing at an amazing rate for a rookie wide receiver down there in New Orleans. And now for our defensive rookie of the year, I want to give an honorable mention to this fifth round pick athletic specimen sub four, three speed Tariq Woolen of the Seattle Seahawks, like uh, Taysom Hill in that game against the Saints. He had a long touchdown run, but Tariq Woolen almost made a tackle to prevent it from happening. He is that fast. And he is just shutting down receivers at an elite level. But unfortunately, there's this other rookie corner that's doing so at an even higher level. And it's obviously Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner, he, he, he might be the second best quarterback in the league behind only Pat Sertan right now. He is that good already as a rookie. And uh, you can talk about him being grabby and getting away with pass interference all the time. But he has just made quarterbacks pay for testing him this season, and he's going to be doing that for a long time. Sauce Island in New York City. He is my defensive rookie of the year at the halfway point. Yeah, I, I, great points, David. I don't even have to talk. You laid it out perfectly. Um, Sauce is probably one of the best cornerbacks, but I did give it to Tariq Woolen just because I love those late round picks and, and being a fit. I mean, sauce was picked number four overall. You <laughs> knew he was going to be great. There was no question about it. Tariq Woolen was buried down in the fifth round. Um, you know, and I, I love those middle to late round guys that step up like that. Uh, I'm going to give an honorable mention uh, to Jack Jones in New England as well, who's the highest rated PFF cornerback Ooh. overall and via coverage game. Um, I expect, you know, New England goes with a rotation at their cornerbacks. They rotate four guys in and out throughout the game. So everybody plays about 60 to 75% of the snaps. So he's got to get a little bit of a downgrade for that because he's not out there for a hundred percent of the snaps like sauce and Tariq Woolen, but Woolen so unexpected there. Um, I mean, not even the first cornerback drafted. They took Kobe Bryant in the fourth round in Seattle and you know, no, nothing to say against him. He's done a great job stepping in unexpectedly. Worst artist, Kobe Bryant. Yes, exactly. So um, kudos there, but just to be a little contrarian, I got to give it to Tariq Woolen because, I mean, just last week alone against Arizona, targeted twice, allowed one reception for negative two yards. That's a shutdown corner. They stopped throwing the ball in his area. Um and for a fifth round pick, I just love it. So Tariq Woolen, my defensive rookie of the year here, halfway through. But you can't argue with the sauce. I can't argue with Tariq Woolen either. And uh, Jack Jones deserves an honorable mention as well. Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick know how to develop young corners. And now on to comeback player of the year. And this is a guy who clearly deserves MVP talk as well. He isn't just a feel-good story. This guy is playing quarterback at a ridiculously elite level. Just look at these numbers. 
His pass already this season on throws past the sticks, one of the most difficult throws to make for any quarterback, 129.6. His throws against the coverage that is frustrating countless quarterbacks, even Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, two deep safety coverage, 109.7, the best in the NFL against that look, and throws under pressure, 92.1. We might have written him off, but he did it right back, and nor should he. Geno Smith, you are my comeback player of the year at the halfway point. Do I hear a simpatico alert? A very muted one, David. I, you know, I've got Gino. I have it as a tie. I couldn't choose between these two, and it's Gino Smith, and it's, I think this guy's first name was much maligned um, because it's the much maligned Saquon Barkley in the big media market of New York. He's had a huge comeback this year as well, a key cog in the success of why the Giants are six and two is his running ability. And I certainly didn't expect it. I was one of the many that had written him off um, with that, you know, injuries and lack of production since his rookie season and the bounce back this year is unreal. He's on target for his best season, most touchdowns, most rushing yards, whatever, right up there with yards per average. So I put it in as a tie. I couldn't choose between them. Saquon Barkley and Geno Smith, I wimped out for this award. <laughs> uh, and speed of Saquon Barkley and the Giants, let's go to our coach of the year honors. I thought about Robert Sala here. And I also thought about Pete Carroll here. But as they say, it ain't about the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. This coach was dealt a roster that doesn't have that many elite Jimmy's and Joe's by any stretch of the imagination. Heck, it might be a bottom 10 roster overall. Yet he has made them overachieve like you couldn't imagine. Obviously, I'm talking about Brian Dayball of the New York Giants. You are my coach of the year at the halfway point because you prove once and for all that coaching matters. I love it, David. You know there's no bigger Brian Dayball fan than me. I've been yelling here for how many years that he belonged in a head coaching position and everybody in the NFL were morons for not hiring him sooner. Um, but I still got to go a little contrarian here. You know, what matters is the W's and Nick Sirianni, he's got the most of them. And this is somebody by midseason last year, I was wondering why he was still in that job and if he was a one and done because he appeared to have no idea what to do with that Philadelphia team. The defense was underperforming, giving up 40 points in multiple games. Uh, the offense, he was trying to way over throwing the ball, not establishing the running game, completely turned it around at midseason. They became the ground and pound Eagles making a run to the playoffs at the end of the season last year. And then this year, back to the passing attack, unleashing the Jalen Hurts experience. The defense is back. They've given up you know, other than that weird week one meltdown and 
in Detroit where they gave up a ton of garbage yards and points in the fourth quarter and made it look like a closer game than it was. Otherwise, they've only given up more than 20 points once in their last seven games. So the defense is working. The offense, uh, we know what that Philadelphia offense is, number two overall in points and just unstoppable right now. So Nick Sirianni, all the kudos and love for me, uh, coach of the year here at the midseason point. Uh, you can't argue with Nick Sirianni as coach of the year because he is a coach that actually practices what he preaches by playing to his players' strengths. And the vast majority of coaches in the NFL just do not do so for one reason or the other. And speaking of uh, Nick Sirianni, the team that uh, previously employed him, the Indianapolis Colts, shocked the world on Monday by firing head coach Frank Reich. But that wasn't the biggest shock they sent as they hired former longtime Pro Bowl center Jeff Saturday, who has recently been working as an analyst for ESPN as interim head coach. And they bypassed several experienced options on their own staff, including Gus Bradley and John Fox. And in addition to all of this organizational malpractice, it seems that general manager Chris Ballard, who you could argue is even more responsible for the Colts woes than Frank Reich is or was, is not going to be fired. Is it safe to say that Jim Irsay has gone crazy and is turning the Colts into an absolute three-ring circus? Yes. Yes, that is absolutely accurate. I don't know, um, you know, if he pulled out that suitcase full of narcotics he was driving around with a few years or, or what's going on there with Jim Irsay because I none of it makes any sense and the more he tried to explain it in that rambling press conference the worse and worse it got I mean oh my god the Indianapolis uh, football writers what a treat to get that kind of madness dumped in your lap. Talk about a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity press conference to be able to, to take part of. Oh, my God. And I could not agree more. Um, you want to fire the coach. The team was underperforming, no doubt about it. But Chris Ballard should have been out the door with him. He had a once in a lifetime draft in 2018 and since then it's been downhill that should have set the franchise up for the future as a legitimate super bowl contender and he's just fumbled the ball repeatedly um in the draft via the trades unloading draft picks uh quarterback questionable moves every single one of them he should have been shown the door as well and don't even get me started on saturday oh my god um he's he the, the colts have got to be tanking they got to be tanking they got to be thinking three wins that's enough for us to get one of the top three picks we got to find a way to lose every game let's bring in jeff saturday that'll work <laughs> Oh, that is the only plausible way this makes sense. Uh, bombing for Bryce, sucking for Stroud, you name it. Uh, the Colts need a long-term answer at quarterback, and Chris Fowler just put out a clinic as to how not to address your quarterback position. Just endless trades and endless carousel, yet Frank Wright got the most out of that. 
to his credit. Oh, man. And Frank Reich, uh, he should get another head coaching job next season. He just should. That, that's all I said. He just made the most of a mediocre to bad situation there in Indy for the past several years. And in the Bills' loss to the Jets uh, last weekend, Josh Allen suffered a sprained UCL in his throwing elbow. And as NFL insider Jordan Schultz reported this morning, there is actually a sigh of relief coming from the Bills as they think the injury is, quote, not as bad as it could have been, unquote. However, Josh Allen did miss four weeks with a similar injury his rookie year in 2018, and the long game must be a factor here, even in a Super Bowl or bust season. So my question is, should the Bills highly consider resting the face of their franchise for these next two weeks, if not longer? Absolutely. Yes, that is the face of your franchise. That is your franchise right there. And they've got to get him to 100%. Um, if you're, you've got eyes on the Super Bowl, look, at you've got a defense that can carry this team. You've got offensive skill positions that can make it work with Case Keenum back there at quarterback for a couple of weeks. That's why you went out and got a backup quarterback like a Case Keenum to be in this situation, to be able to have him step in and be able to carry this team for a few weeks. And for Josh Allen, I mean, again, if you want to look at the effect of an elbow or a shoulder or wrist injury, any kind of that injury to a quarterback, uh, just look over in Los Angeles oh, with yeah. the Rams as well. Talked about it before the season started. They shrugged it off. They said, no, don't worry. Matthew Stafford's going to be the fine. Look, at, he's not the same quarterback he was last year. When you have an injury, to your elbow, to your shoulder, anybody that's thrown a ball in any sport knows that that's when mechanics change for comfort, for pain, for discomfort. And also for Josh Allen as well, you've got to look at him running the football, protecting the football in that arm uh, with that elbow. If he gets hit on that elbow, running the football, oh my um, God. stiff arming. How many times have you seen Josh Allen send a defender flying in the other direction with that stiff arm. You don't want him with an elbow injury, trying to stiff arm somebody and getting that arm stuck in a shoulder pad or something. And no, 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 no. Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut him down. Get him back to health and then worry about it. And for the Bills, hey, home field, whatever. Just you, you're going to get into the playoffs if you rest Josh Allen two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, whatever it takes to get him back to 100%. Your team is talented enough. You should be there and be able to, whether you're a wild card, where you're playing, by week, whatever, you're dangerous enough. Don't worry about it. Oh, absolutely. Home field advantage is no longer the end-all be-all in the NFL these days. And plus, the Bills have won on the road against the Ravens this season and against the Chiefs this season. The Bills can survive without Josh Allen for the next couple weeks or so and uh, make the playoffs, even if it says a wild card and run the table that way. They are more than capable of doing uh, just that. Plus, uh, you do not want to risk such an injury to his UCL getting worse and put even Tommy John surgery on the Ooh, table as a possible. Yes. You do not want to get into that scenario you have to get it back to 100 and now it's time to play our favorite game on this program truth or exaggeration you know how this game works i'll make a statement and you let me know whether you think i'm telling the truth or whether i'm exaggerating and why 
We start in Chicago, where there is no need for the Bears to draft a quarterback in 2023, as Justin Fields will be the Bears' starting quarterback next season and beyond. Truth or exaggeration? Truth, truth, truth. You're seeing Justin Fields. The, the fear was is that the Bears would mess this up somehow and thank the football gods they are getting it right. You're seeing the talent coming out. You're seeing him as that multi-threat, working those designed quarterback runs in, um, making him stress the defense instead of forcing him to sit back and try to react and read to the defense. That is what the Bears needed to do. That is what you're seeing. And that's why they're averaging 30 plus points a game the last three games. That is the way. Truth, truth, truth. And last Sunday night, as I alluded to in the intro, despite having to start, dare I say, a high school level quarterback mm -hmm. in Malik Willis, the Tennessee Titans came oh so close to pulling off an upset over Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at Arrowhead. So truth or exaggeration, the Tennessee Titans will be the team that nobody, and I mean nobody, wants to face in the playoffs. Uh, I'm going to go with a little exaggeration here because, you know, anything happens to Tina Hill, he gets knocked out of the game. Uh, Malik Willis isn't going to win them a playoff game. But you know who is a quarterback who can put a team on his back and win a playoff game? I'm thinking it might be Justin Herbert. And I think the Chargers, despite their chargering ways, uh, should be a playoff team. And anytime you're looking at Justin Herbert on that opposing sideline, that is a team you're going to be afraid of because the potential is there week after week, game after game. So I've got to say the Chargers are going to be that team and not the Titans. Oh, very good point, especially considering the fact that the Chargers are likely to get Joey Bosa back, and there's a possibility they could even get Rashawn Slater back by January, dare I say. If they get to full straight come playoff time, look out indeed, although I'm still uh, not sold on their coaching, though. That's all there is to it, but uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all uh, works itself out, and as evidenced by his performance against the Lions uh, last Sunday, as you mentioned, there is a legit possibility Aaron Rodgers is declining faster than most think. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, I'm going to go with a little exaggeration here. I think he looks um, very much like Tom Brady at the end of his Patriots era in 2019. And we all know what happened in 2020. So uh, when a player loses trust in his offensive line, loses trust in his wide receivers, doesn't have that security blanket and comfort, you're going to see this frustration. You're going to see um, this type of performance. I think you put Aaron Rodgers on the 2020 uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, and just like Tom Brady, that's a Super Bowl team right there. So uh, I got to go with an exaggeration on this one. Well, that is a fair point. Although look at what Lamar Jackson did mm. on Monday night with the uh, Devin Duvernay, <laughs> Isaiah Likely, James Prochet. He lit it up on Monday night with a, a supporting cast kind of similar and unproven to the one the Packers currently have around Aaron Rodgers. So uh, 
It may not be all on those wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers deserves more blame than people have been assigning him so far. He might not be declining, but he probably deserves more blame. Uh, that's just uh, my point there. And the Eagles will be NFC champions and get a top five pick in the 2023 NFL draft, courtesy of the Saints. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, I gotta go a little bit of an exaggeration. I'll say top 10 pick with the Saints, but I still have a little bit of faith in New Orleans, and I still think that team is just a little too talented to be one of the five worst teams in the league. Uh, I think they've got a winning streak in them still. And, you know, oh, you know, top 10, I'd say truth, but top five, I got to say exaggeration. And speaking of the Saints, they should go back to Jameis Winston at quarterback for the remainder of the season. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, God. I, yes. Truth, truth, truth. Andy Dalton is 35. He's not your future. People have known what Andy Dalton is since he came into the league. He's the same quarterback he was. Uh, there's no mystery there. Uh, Jameis Winston, you brought him in for a reason. You're not going to play Taysom Hill at quarterback. Play Jameis Winston. And barring the late season turnaround, Cliff Kingsbury will be fired as head coach of the Cardinals. Truth or exaggeration? Should be. I will say truth will be. Uh, I think Michael Bidwell is a little too cheap to fire him, uh, especially after that huge contract yeah. extension he got in March. I didn't understand the extension at the time. I still don't understand it, but uh, I think Arizona is going to pay with that. And I think Cliff Kingsbury will be their head coach, uh, whether he deserves to be or not, when the 2023 NFL season kicks off. And we conclude this week's edition of Truth or Exaggeration with a return to Green Bay, where with another loss this weekend to the Cowboys, you can kiss the Packers 2022 playoff hopes goodbye. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, yeah, that's a truth. And I'll even take it further and say, um, you know, I don't see this team with more than four wins going into their bye week. They've got Dallas this week. They play Tennessee um, Thursday night. Quick turnaround there. Then they're at Philadelphia. I ain't penciling that in as a W. And all of a sudden at Chicago before the bye week looks a whole heck of a lot tougher than it did a month ago. So uh, this team could be three and 10 in four weeks. I, I have no faith in Green Bay right now. And yes, this is a must win, but somehow they got to figure out how to win two out of three or three out of four. And I just don't see that happening right now. Oh, you're even lower on the Packers than I am, Hal, and I'm pretty low on them. Yet in that spirit, let's make our picks for all these games in week number 10, starting tonight in Charlotte, where the Panthers, after an absolute drubbing against the Bengals, host the Falcons in a potential revenge game, given that they uh, snatched a defeat from the jaws of victory in Atlanta a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Falcons may be a better team in some ways on paper, but this is 
a divisional game, and it's the pathetic NFC South where anything could happen. I think the Panthers have revenge on their minds, and I think Steve Wilkes is going to get the most out of his team to get that revenge tonight. I like the Panthers. David, I don't like either of these teams. (laughs) (laughs) The race to seven wins. The NFC South catch the excitement here. I'm telling you, seven wins is all it's going to take. We're going to have our seven and ten division winner here. Oh, God. Yeah. Carolina won. I, 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 I don't know. I don't. I can't pick either of these teams. My God, I'm I'm at a loss for them both here. Do we have a tie? Uh, oh, I, I think we have a tie. You know, Thursday night stink fest, couple of missed uh, field goals in overtime. I can feel it. I can feel it. Let's call it 16 to 16 and ugly tie for the Thursday night football game. Uh, it could be Broncos Colts all over again this Thursday <laughs> night. Pug fugly on the ultimate scale. And Sunday morning, the first ever NFL game in Germany gets played between Geno Smith of the Seahawks and Tom Brady and the Bucks. After last week, I had a feeling that I wanted to go with Tom Brady in this game, but, uh, I'm not taking credit away from Tom Brady. He deserves for making Sean McVay pay for that mistake. But Pete Carroll will not make the same mistake. And the way the Seahawks are playing right now compared to how the Bucks are playing right now and the fact that the Seahawks are a far better team than the Rams are right now, it's going to be a close game. But I just can't bet against Geno right now. Give me the Seahawks in this game. How do they win? Stay tuned for bowl predictions. I like it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking this is a classic Tom Brady. I think back to the 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 birth of the Legion of Boom and you know uh, rookie Russell Wilson and you know Brady losing to the Seahawks there. Um, you know with that cocky secondary for Seattle and the chirping as he's coming off the field. I, it just feels like that's come full circle here again. Uh, I got to pick Seattle. I'm not picking against Gino. I'm so excited for the people of Germany as well. Uh, there are serious, hardcore NFL fans there. They have deserved an international game for so long. They constantly led the league in attendance when there was NFL Europe. These fans are crazy for this product, and I'm so glad they're there. It's going to be a great game. I'm going to say Seattle takes it 27-24 over Tom and Tampa. And what would have been our game of the week, but assuming Josh Allen doesn't play, I assume he doesn't play. It would be foolish to rush him in so soon after that UCL sprain. The Bills hosting the Vikings at 7-1. and one. The Vikings aren't as good a team as the Bills are. But having Josh Allen absent for this game is just too much for me to pick against the Vikings. Give me Kirk Cousins of the Vikings to get win number eight. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we could be, this game could be over and we'd look at Minnesota and say, wow, this is the worst eight and one team I've ever seen in my life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> But they keep pulling out these close games um, week after week after week, four point wins, three point wins by a touchdown, whatever it is. 
they find a way. Hey, I'm not picking against Kirk Cousins right now. I'd be crazy too. Uh, Mr. Chains, Mr. Chains, Mr. Chains, bare chested chains. <laughs> he might be on the flight back from Buffalo recording another video for that this week. Why the heck not? Let's give them the same score they won by. It seemed like every game was 20 to 17 last week. We'll call it Minnesota 20, Buffalo 17. Yeah, that is a, a fair final score prediction, given the fact that the Bills defense uh, is going to uh, give Kirk Cousins and company all they could possibly handle. And it's not going to be a high scoring game whatsoever, especially without Josh Allen. And uh, though speaking of high scoring games, you mentioned the Bears Dolphins game last week, which was a shootout, a total shootout. It, it looked like neither team was interested in playing defense. We can have that again this Sunday as the Lions come to Soldier Field. Uh, the Lions defense, they might have had their best performance of the season last week against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But Justin Fields and the Bears, that offense is so much better than the Packers offense is uh, this season. Uh, they're going to revert to their old ways. It could come down to who has the ball last. But in these kinds of toss-up games, I go with a tie goes to the home team tiebreaker. Give me the Bears. Sound that simpatico alert, David. I'm thinking the same thing. High scoring, close game. I just don't see Detroit. You know, hey, Detroit can win any week as long as they get three red zone turnovers, right? You know, <laughs> I'm not counting on it this week. I've got the Bears 33 to 30 over the Lions. The Saints, who are a, a beat up team after that Monday night uh, stinker that they uh, put up against the Ravens. Uh, travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. And uh, a lot of people assume the Saints have a one-sided advantage of this game. No, they do not. They're still from the crappy NFC South. And I just do not like to bet against Mike Tomlin coming off a bye. Uh, it's going to be a close, ugly, relatively low-scored game. But uh, in the end, better coaching prevails and Mike Tomlin over Dennis Allen. I like the Steelers. You know, I, I keep waiting for New Orleans to improve. I Am I crazy to think that they're still going to find a way to go into Pittsburgh and win this game this week? Apparently, I am. Look, Lamar is Lamar. You can't prepare for him. You can't defend him. You know, maybe if you played the Ravens three or four times in a season, by the third or fourth time, you'd be prepared for his game-breaking speed and uh, ability to uh, just be Lamar. I'm going to write that one off for the, for New Orleans, and I'm going to say, Lamar, Kenny Pickett, they got a lot better chance this week. I'm going with New Orleans. I'll say low-scoring, ugly, let's say 20-15 to 15 over Pittsburgh. The Cleveland Browns coming off a bye at three and five travel to Miami to take on Tua and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I was uh, searching for potential upset specials. And for some reason, I decided to go with this one because the Dolphins absolutely struggled uh, stopping the run against the Bears last week. It wasn't just Justin Fields that they had uh, trouble stopping. They had trouble stopping David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert as well. 
And now you got to go against Nick Chubb, arguably the best running back in the NFL right now. And I think the Browns have the tools on offense with that offensive line and Chubb to play keep away from Tua all game long and shorten the game. I think they do just that and eke out a 20 to 17 upset win. Give me the Browns. I like it, David. I like it. And I want to be there with you. I do, but I'm not picking against Tua right now. No yeah, he's way. He's your MVP for a reason. He's my MVP for a reason. And look, I don't trust that Cleveland has got it all together right now. And especially on the defensive side of the field, they have struggled all season long. They looked good on that Monday night game against Cincinnati, but I've got to see a lot more before I believe in Cleveland. So for me, I'm saying Miami takes it. Uh, let's make it 30 to 20 Dolphins over the Browns. And the Broncos also coming off a of bye, traveling to Music City to take on the Titans, who are looking to bounce back from that heartbreaking loss to the Chiefs last Sunday night. Ryan Townhill is going to be back for this game, A and B. As good, if not great, as the Broncos' defense has been all season, they have a hard time stopping the run at times. And this week, it is King Henry and the Titans. They're going to just um, bludgeon that uh, Broncos' defense in the mouth by just running the ball all game long. And uh, that Broncos' offensive line absolutely cannot handle Jeffrey Simmons and that Titans front. Give me the Titans in an easy 20-7 to win. Broncos are long overdue for a loss greater than 10 points. Oh, I'm looking for a close, ugly game here. And if only for chaos purposes and to get the Jaguars back in the AFC South race, I think Tennessee needs to have one of those inexplicable losses that they tend to have every season um, where for whatever reason, they just don't show up. Uh, I think it's going to happen against Denver here. Let's make it low scoring. Let's make it ugly. Let's make it Denver 15, Tennessee 14. Oh, that sounds like a textbook Broncos game from this season, Hal. And we shall see. And the Houston Texans, the team with the worst record in the league, Travels to East Rutherford to take out the Giants who are coming off thereby. Uh, the Giants, after that loss in Seattle, this is the perfect get-right opponent for them and the Texans. Uh, granted, the Texans uh, played better than I thought they would against the Eagles, and they're going to put up a fight. But even against the Giants, there's a talent deficiency between both rosters. And uh, give me Brian Dable over Lovey Smith any day of the week. Giants win. Yeah, and, and you know, Houston, we saw Brandon Cooks not, not getting traded at that yeah, deadline and not definitely. happy about that at all. Um, look at Davis Mills, very good uh, fill-in quarterback. I'm not sure he's going to be the answer. Houston, you got to be thinking about uh, which of the three big quarterbacks coming out in the draft you want with your high draft pick. Let's give it to Dayball and the boys. I'm going to say New York 27 Houston 13. The Jaguars fresh off their um, remarkable come from behind victory over the Raiders at Ivy Trevor Lawrence's best game of the season, dare I say, uh, traveled to Kansas City to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Could this be a potential trap game for the Chiefs? I don't think so. Andy Reid is just too good of a coach. And uh, Patch Mahomes, I believe, uh, knows the Chiefs might have overlooked the Titans 
just a little bit. They're not going to make the same mistake this week. Give me the Chiefs 31 to 17 over the Jaguars. Yeah, I so my heart is singing for Jacksonville. I want them back on track and getting the W's again after that five-game losing streak they broke last week. But at Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, it's just not going to happen. Like you said, Andy Reid, too good. Uh, the Chiefs, they had their scare against Tennessee. And they're looking to bounce back. And the Jacksonville defense just isn't going to hold up. I'll say uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, has another, another very good game as well to keep them close for the first half, but too much. Kansas City, 33. Jacksonville, 26. And what could rival the Falcons and Panthers for the sticker game of the week, the embarrassing Raiders host the clown show Circus Colts at home. And as embarrassing as the Raiders have been, the Colts are a total circus right now, as we said. Give me the embarrassing team over the circus clowns every day of the week. Raiders win, and it's not going to be close. Raiders 28, Colts 6. Yeah, I, I don't see how the Colts, um, you know, if if I was going through the week that these players are going through, I'd be going to Las Vegas. I wouldn't be focused on the game. I'd be focused on the shows and the casinos and everything else going on in the city. The last thing I would want to be thinking about is that uh, game going on here. Um, what a mess. Yeah, I, I can't see Indy showing up for this one. I've got Vegas winning it easily, 30 to 13. And the Packers, as we mentioned earlier, host the Cowboys this weekend. Can they get a season-saving win against the Cowboys and former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy? Sadly, they cannot. The Packers, uh, their uh, ho-hum wide receiving core is depleted by injuries. Their defense just lost their best pass rusher for the season. It's only going to get worse. Cowboys 21, Packers 7. I, I think we're going to see the pride of Aaron Rodgers come out this week. I think he's going to gather that team on his back. He's going to somehow drive them down the field, tie the game <laughs> up, send it to overtime miraculously, and then lose. So oh, still picking. <laughs> oh, Sadly, not having enough to pull it out in overtime. Uh, Dallas 26, Green Bay 20 in OT. And an NFC West battle on Sunday as the Rams host the Cardinals. I was going to pick the Rams until I heard the news today that Matthew Stafford just went into the concussion protocol. He is not going to be playing. And yes, Matthew Stafford has not been the same quarterback this season uh, as he was last season because of that elbow issue. But even a subpar Matthew Stafford is a, is a million times better than John Wolford, uh, uh, who is probably going to be starting in his stead. And uh, Kyler Murray may have a hamstring injury. And uh, this game, I think, is going to be pretty ugly. But uh, because Matthew Stafford's not playing, it only goes from bad to worse for the Rams on offense. Give me the Cardinals, let's say 16, Rams 6. Uh, you know, I love these crazy backup quarterback games. Ah, come on. I why not have something crazy? I have no faith in Arizona and Kingsbury. They'll screw it up somehow. 
Uh, Rams still have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. They'll find a way. Wolford mania. Let's start it up. Let's say Rams 16, Arizona. Uh, yeah, Rams 16, Arizona 14. And on Sunday night in the Bay Area, the 49ers host the Chargers. And uh, remember, earlier this season on Sunday Night Football, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers went toe-to-toe with Russell Wilson and the Broncos. It was the ultimate low-scoring defensive battle, and it all came down to which quarterback could make a play, and even a diminished Russell Wilson could make a play in the clutch better than Jimmy Garoppolo could. And now he goes up against Justin Herbert in what's going to be a similar game, yet I trust Justin Herbert to make that game-deciding play. Give me the Chargers 23-20. to yeah, uh, the Chargers going to have somebody to uh, do some falconing this week. I don't know if that's going to happen to to save them. Uh, 49ers might be the best 4-4 four and four team I've ever seen right now. So uh, <laughs> coming out of the bye uh, at home, I got to give it to the, to the 49ers. Um, maybe a little more points than we expect, but let's make it a close one. 49ers, 27 uh, Chargers 25. And last but not least, on Monday Night Football, the 8-0 Eagles host the Washington Commanders, who I predicted to upset the Vikings last week, and they came oh so close to doing so. Do you think they upset the Eagles and hand the Eagles their first loss of the season? Yes, I do. Oh! I do indeed. Whoa! The Commanders... The Eagles have not trailed. Uh, I mean, they barely trailed all year. They, you know, look, look, divisional games, crazy things happen. There's no doubt about it. The commander's defense, that's legitimate as well. I think, um, you know, their defense played very well against the Eagles back in week three. The offense might find a way this week, you know. Um, Monday night, why not? Taylor Heineke will do it. Washington 24, Philadelphia 21. I'll give you the details in the bold prediction. Oh, and give me those details right now, Hal, because it is time for our bold predictions. All right. So Taylor Heineke, why the heck not? Toss three touchdown passes against this Eagles defense. Unlikely, not realistic doesn't matter it's the nfl anything can happen on monday night he'll do that and not only that uh after jalen hurts drives down the field to tie the game at 21 with just over a minute to play taylor heineke puts the commanders on his back long pass downfield to terry mclaurin to set up the game winning field goal as the clock hits zero, Washington 24, Philadelphia for the first time goes down 24-21. Tyler Heineke, three touchdowns, 300-plus yards passing. Why the heck not? I told you, I love these bag-up quarterbacks. I have a similar feeling about the Seahawks and Bucks. Geno Smith is going to bolster his MVP case by throwing for over 300 yards and four touchdowns. And how does he get one of those four touchdown passes? On a game-winning drive in the final 90 seconds, 
to answer a go-ahead touchdown drive by Tom Brady. He outgoats the GOAT. That is my bold prediction. And last but not least, it is time for our challenge flags. And my challenge flag goes to uh, that three-ring circus in Indianapolis in the Colts. Colts, you sound like a team that is going to be stuck in, at best, a perpetual state of mediocrity, if not far, far worse. And in order to avoid that conundrum, just do the right thing and fire Chris Ballard. A team that fires its head coach and keeps its GM just doesn't know what the hell it's doing. Indianapolis Colts, you have got to avoid joining that club of teams and fire Chris Ballard by season's end. That is my challenge flag. What about your challenge flag, Hal? Well, I, I got to go back to the well and say, you know, um, Chargers, Brandon Staley, I'm picking against you again, and I will continue to do so. Next week, I'll, I'll give you the preview. Next week against Kansas City, I'm picking against you no matter <laughs> what happens in San Francisco this week on Sunday Night Football. Um, any team that's not a disaster, you know, Las Vegas <laughs> in a couple of weeks, I'm going to pick against the Chargers. So Brandon Staley, you've got a great quarterback. You've got great talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, you're not going to get outmaneuvered and be falconed uh, every week to get your <laughs> W. So please prove me wrong. Be that dangerous team I expect you to be in the playoffs this year. Get your team there. Rely on the Let their talent flow on the field i don't care if you just get out of the way and let them play uh come on don't charger this season yet again he is hal bent ladies and gentlemen of full press coverage you can follow him on twitter at hal bent zero one hal thank you so much again and that's it for today here on sports crunch but we'll be back next week to recap week 10 preview week 11 and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the national football league so stay tuned Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 as well as on Instagram and TikTok at SportsCrunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, folks, it is November, and that means it's time for the annual Cheer for the Troops campaign run by my good friends, the Denver Broncos cheerleaders. This is one of my favorite annual charitable causes. It's all month long. They will be collecting donations of various kinds to make holiday care packages to send to the brave men and women of our United States Armed Forces that are currently stationed overseas. And to help give those that pay the ultimate price for our liberty some well, well-deserved holiday cheer, please visit the link in their social media bios on Instagram at Denver Broncos Cheer, as well as on Twitter at Broncos Cheer. And you can donate anytime from now until midnight mountain time on November 30th. For Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell. And as always, please choose love. Please choose kindness. Please choose compassion. Please choose selflessness. Please choose empathy and to all who showed up and voted in this election, thank you so, so much for doing your patriotic duty. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. Mm -hmm.